So there are amazing servants here in this church and other churches in our community that work hard to get the word out about Jesus Christ. There's an urgency. And so the question is, is there an urgency in your life to get that word out? Or is it something you just kind of sit on? Like a chicken that just sits on an egg waiting for something to hatch, waiting for a feeling to happen before you get up and you move. So I think sometimes that we don't understand the urgency. We're told that the time is near when Jesus Christ's second coming will come. The time of Christ's return is near. In today's message from Pastor Mark, he teaches you to be urgent in spreading the good news. Oftentimes, it can feel uncomfortable to open up and share with others. However, as Christians, it's important that we do. You can't keep the good news of the Lord to yourself. Someone in your life decided to open up and share with you, and it's important that you do the same. You can't sit and wait on it. There is an urgency to the gospel because Christ's return is very near. Don't wait for the right feeling to come about in order to be able to share. Share the good news with someone today. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in 2 Samuel chapter 17 for today's edition of Come Alive. If you guys will, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 17. 2 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to pick up in verse 15, though we did cover that last week. We're going to go back through that. All right, so the last couple of weeks we've been in, in 2 Samuel, we've been talking about, you know, suffering consequences and things like that. And, and, and some of those things, you know, we're responsible for other times. It's, it's parts of things that we do. Sometimes it's just normal life. And God knows what to do in your life. You and I know that. We know that God knows what to do in in your life and in my life to bring disaster. And you might think, to bring disaster? What are you saying? Well, think about it. I mean, sometimes life happens and it seems disastrous. And if we're not cooperating with his plan and his program for our lives, well, then disaster will befall us. That doesn't mean that even if you're cooperating, that you're not going to have trouble because we know that the Bible says that we are. So God has a specially designed curriculum for you and I. It's, it's different for each of us. And so what he does, he has that curriculum. It's designed for us to make you, well, what you are to become. And what is that? That's like his son. Whatever he has to do to accomplish that task and making you more like Jesus Christ, he will. And if you'll look with me in verse 15 of 2 Samuel chapter 17, it says, Then Hushai, we remember who he is, he's David's spy, said to Zadok and Abiathar, the priest, Thus and so Ahithophel advised Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and so I have advised. Now therefore send quickly and tell David, saying, Do not spend this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily cross over, lest the king and all the people who are with him be swallowed up. Hushai bought David some time. When you think about what was going on, David prayed and asked that the Lord would confuse Ahithophel's advice. And though David prayed that, we saw last week and we talked about how God did not do that. And you could say, well, yes, he did because he took Hushai's advice. And if we go back and we look, 
if we notice that it says quickly it happened, but if we go back to verse 14, when Ahithophel had advised Absalom to set a tent on top of the castle, on top of his house, to sleep with his father's concubines in front of Israel and everybody inside of that tent to prove that, number one, first and foremost, that he was given over to that full coup of the government, and then to rush David and his men with an army, and you say, well, how is this good advice? Well, if you look at verse 14, the second part of it says, For the Lord had proposed to defeat the good, key word there, good, advice of Ahithophel. Ahithophel's advice was the best advice. Hushai's advice wasn't the best advice. Now, depending on what side of the line you're standing on, that depends. If you're David, then Ahithophel's advice was not good advice for David. But it was good advice if you were going to take over the kingdom and you were going to stormtroop the place. So it tells us here that it was good advice to the intent that the Lord might bring disaster on Absalom. He didn't confuse Ahithophel's advice. We know that it's good advice. All he did is allow Hushai's advice to be taken. And that was by the hand of the Lord. Notice that it says in, in our verses, quickly, advice or counsel that was sent to David. There was an urgency there to get that advice and that counsel to David. And it required servants, people that are willing to risk and sacrifice for their king. And so there are amazing servants here in this church and other churches in our community that work hard to get the word out about Jesus Christ. There's an urgency. And so the question is, is there an urgency in your life to get that word out? Or is it something you just kind of sit on? Like a chicken that just sits on an egg waiting for something to hatch, waiting for a feeling to happen before you get up and you move. So I think sometimes that we don't understand the urgency. We're told that the time is near when Jesus Christ's second coming will come. And we'll be going through Revelation and looking at that after we finish this study. And we're going to see the word quickly again. But quickly doesn't always mean as soon as possible. Sometimes quickly means there's an urgency. And so God being a patient God, he allows us to time to get that message out. And again, there are those amazing servants that do get the message out, and there are those that don't. And so we need to be wise about how we do it. We need a plan. Anytime here when we look at this, there's a plan that was devised a little while ago where the priests said to Zadok, Hushai says to Zadok and Abiathar, the priest, and these two guys go to a couple of other guys, and then those couple of other guys go to a young woman and trying to get the, the, the message out. But see, we, we need to be and, and have this kind of urgency to get messages out. We, have, we can't just sit on it. Not sharing doesn't allow change to take place. Uh, everybody wants to see the world change, but doesn't seem like a lot of people want to do a lot about it. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, Now Jonathan and Ahimaaz stated in Rogel, for they dared not to be seen coming into the city. So a female servant, so now we got three more servants that are involved. A female servant would come and tell them that they would go and tell King David. So these guys are willing to risk everything. Now in any kind of service, there again, there needs to be a plan. We see they have a plan, and when you and I serve, we need to count the cost. And that's what a plan does. Anytime there's a, in a family unit, a mom and a dad, there needs to be, okay, we were planning to have children. We need to count the cost. What's it going to cost? Well, it's going to cost over the span of a lifetime, as of right now, 
$290,000 to raise one kid to the age of 18. That's if they move out at 18. And so that's now. Next year it goes up. Whoever has a kid next year, well, that number will go up in in dollar amounts. And that's just the bare bones minimum. But we need to have a plan. When you and I serve, we need to count the cost. We need to have a plan. Some sign up for service, and it could be motivated by emotion. I wonder how many of these guys it was motivated by emotion, or was it motivated by the cause, the reason they were signing up for the plan. But whether you and I serve in a role of a spy for the king or an usher for the king, do we count the cost? Or whether we're going to serve in children's ministry as a volunteer or whatever, do we count the cost? Do we say, well, I'd love to serve those little kids because I love kids. That's great. That's the motivation. But did you count the cost in the fact that it might take some time in preparing for a lesson or as an usher that you might need to show up and you count the cost that you'll push a broom, that you'll clean a bathroom just to make it comfortable to serve others that are coming in for the second service or behind you or next week? Do we count the cost? What is the motivation? And so it's going to require time. It requires time. It always requires study time, especially if you're serving in any kind of ministry where you're teaching kids or students quiet time. Well, that's your personal private time. You can't use your study time for the kids. It's quiet time because, well, it's not really intimate. You're always working out a plan to tell somebody instead of working out a plan and allowing God to tell you. It happens every now and then. Memorization and prayer. Prayer is most important. And so as an usher, someone may come in and request prayer. And a lot of ushers, I don't think, realize that. But they'll come in and they'll see somebody serving and they'll think, oh, there's a spiritual dude. Obviously, he's serving in the church. And I could go to this guy for prayer. I remember when I first went to Calvary Albuquerque. One of the first things I did is I heard a great message. And I saw that guy who taught the message. But then after that, I'd hang around the church and I would go to the coffee shop. And I would see those guys there that were working in there. And so all these guys were supposed to be Christians. And so you could go up to Darren in the coffee shop and talk to him, and he would be able to sometimes give you a Bible verse, sometimes give you good advice, or sometimes if he didn't know, he'd just pray with you. Other times you'd see a pastor walking around, and those guys, they were supposed to know. And you would ask them, and they would give advice. They were willing to serve. And so do we understand what it's going to cost? And so here as well, we want everyone to be those kind of people. Hopefully you're one that offers prayer as well, to pray for your friends and your family in Christ. This place needs to be a house of prayer, first and foremost. So let's say you're that kind of a servant. You you have an urgent message that needs to get out. What do you do first? Pray. You pray about who the Lord wants you to take that message to, unless he just tells you, take it to so-and-so. And that can happen. But do we pray? Do we care enough to say, Lord, who do you want me to take the message to? And you might say, what message? Well, the message of hope. Maybe something in your quiet time just just really hits you and you want to share it with someone. Wouldn't it be great instead of sharing it with another Christian, but to also share it with an unbeliever to give that person an opportunity to hear God's word? Maybe they, they won't hear God's word all day, all week, all month. But pray. Count the cost. Because also, after you pray, you might need to count the cost and say, well, this person may just say I'm foolish. They, they may call me names. Or they may dig it and require more and say, could you come back tomorrow? Can you give me more of this Bible study? Hopefully they will. So these guys and this girl are willing to give their all for their king. They're willing to risk, in this story, their life. 
And Billy Graham once told a young man who, who met him and said, hey, I, man, I'm willing to give my whole life to do something like you would do. And Billy Graham said, good, because it's going to cost you your whole life. Now, it, it is costly. Look at verse 18. Nevertheless, a lad saw them and told Absalom, but both of them went away quickly and came to a man's house in Baharim who had a well in his court, and they went down into it. And then the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth and spread ground grain on it, and the thing was not known. And when Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house, they said, Where are Ahimez and Jonathan? And so the woman said to them, They have gone over the water brook. And when they had searched and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. Now it came to pass, after they had departed, that they had came up out of the well and went and told King David. And David said, Arise and cross over the water quickly, for thus has Ahithophel advised against you. And so David and all the people who were with him arose and crossed over the Jordan by morning light. Not one of them was left who had not gone over the Jordan. So here, using an empty cistern as a place to dry grain was very common practice back then. So this lady covered this well. She told these guys, hey, crawl down in here. I'll throw this piece of cloth or a piece of board over the top of it. I'll put some grain on it. And as she threw the grain, the dust probably covered it. And when the guys looked at it and said, oh, she's been using this to dry grain, it doesn't look like it's fresh or new because there's dust on it. And she covers the cistern and hid the guys. The guys were hiding. Why were they hiding? Well, because their life was in danger for running to tell David the news. And the reason that they're going to do this, well, you might say, well, Hushai gave some advice. It's going to buy David some time. True, it could. But what if Absalom changed his mind and went with Ahithophel's advice? And so Jonathan and Ahimaaz get the message delivered. Notice that David takes the counsel. He's not so prideful to think, well, I'm a great man of war. I know what I'm doing. Who are you to tell me what to do? I'm a king. I used to be a king. I used to fight all the time. I know, what, I know how to do this. Bro, you don't need to tell me all that stuff. He took the advice quickly. And I bet he was glad to hear the message of what was going on in Jerusalem. So if David had this pride-filled attitude, it would have been a, a pitfall, not just for him, but for all the people around him. And so you might say, well, what do we learn from this? Well, here's what we learn from this. Maybe somebody's got a message for you, and they've given it to you. And you just look at them like they're out of their mind because, well, number one, it doesn't agree with the way you would handle or do business. Number two, it's not the advice you were looking for. You just wanted somebody to agree with you. And that happens a lot. And so this advice isn't taken. And so what happens is, not only does... If David didn't take this advice, would it kill David? But it would kill all the people that are with him. Now, how does it apply to you and I? Well, I'll tell you how it applies to you and I. This past week, Saturday, I was having a rough couple of weeks. I was supposed to fly out on Sunday to go to California for a week for a pastor's conference. And because I'd had a rough two weeks, I just figured that this third week while I'm gone would be just as rough and I would need to stay and take care of business and take care of the landscape business that things would happen that I needed to be here for, and I didn't want my wife to suffer through it by herself or even be bothered with it. And so I'd made a decision on Saturday about 10 or 11 o'clock that I wasn't going to go to California. I would just cancel my ticket, get a credit, and use it for next time. Well, I go home and I tell Jess I'm not going to go. And so she sits me down and she has a talk. She gives me an urgent message, so to speak. Says, hey, you know, every year this happens. It's just Satan's way of trying to distract you. 
And, and plus, you know, when you come back from those things, you're ready to go. You're refreshed. You're good. You get to hang out with your friends. Everything's fine. I think you should go. And I remember thinking, well, and I even told her, I, I even spiritualized it. I have a peace from God that I, I shouldn't go. And she was like, really? It's a, it's a real peace. And, and most of it was just laziness. One, I was tired. I didn't want to pack. Two, I didn't want to have to worry about anything while I'm gone. But she said, you should go. So she says, call your friends. And so the guys that I was going to rent a car with, the other pastors, when I called them and said, hey, I don't think I'm going to make it, they said to me, why? And began to ask questions and began to give some advice to me that I really needed to hear, a message that needed to really touch my heart. They were like, number one, well, what could you do there that you couldn't do in California? And so I was, well, not really anything. They're like, if you have a cell phone and your credit card, you can buy what you need. And, if, and then I was like, well, if a piece of equipment breaks down, they're like, who would take that piece of equipment, you or your guys? I'm like, my guys? Couldn't you call them and tell them to do that? I'm like, yeah. So can you give us a good reason why you need to stay and why you shouldn't go? And I couldn't. And so I took their advice. I quickly took their advice because it was crucial for me to go. Because there was a message there that really spoke to me that I had to hear. Now, I didn't like that message. It wasn't the, the greatest thing that I wanted to hear, but it was very convicting, and it told me what I needed to do. And so I had to take that advice, and it was another servant giving a message. So one servant gives a message to another servant. The Lord gives the message to my wife. My wife says, hey, call these other guys. These other servants say, you should go. And then another servant, while we're there, from another message from the Lord, speaks and Spoke to a lot of people, not just me, but to me as well. So if I didn't go, there could have been some problems in my house. I wouldn't have come back refreshed. I wouldn't have come back with all these great ideas for family devos. I wouldn't have had this awesome Bible for Asa and Elia, uh, all this stuff. And, and though that's not life-threatening, it could have been life-threatening for their spiritual condition if I didn't go. Who knows how that would have worked out. But if David had this pride-filled attitude and said, hey, you know, I'm just going to hang out here a couple more days. I'm going to pray about it. There, there are some things you need to pray about, and then there are those times you just really need to act. I'm going to pray about it for a couple of days. All these people probably would have been wiped out. So when we refuse the counsel of the one who loves us most, that would be Jesus, we always risk the lives of those that are around us. We always risk it. We know from stories like Achan. We know from stories where the, the children of Israel build a golden calf based off of religious advice from religious people. And what happens? Well, people died. And so God puts people in your path to help and direct you by sharing a message. Because here's what happens. Sometimes we filter things, and I filtered going to a conference through chaos of two weeks. And that's not good. So there's good counsel, there's bad counsel, and then there's counsel that will appeal to the flesh and counsel that sometimes will oppose the flesh. Notice that David packs up and leaves. David packs up and leaves. Good counsel doesn't always allow for easiness. Good counsel doesn't always allow for comfort. And good counsel doesn't always allow for happiness. You think these guys are happy about having to pack up and run again and cross a river with all these people and all their stuff? No. He didn't say, let me pray about it, let me think about it. He knew this was God's hand of protection and the reason he was told to leave was just in case Absalom had changed his mind, just in case the enemy was going to come and strike. Look at verse 23. Now when Ahithophel saw that his advice was not followed, he saddled a donkey 
and he arose, and he went home to his house, to the city, and then he put his household in order, and he hanged himself, and he died. And he was buried in his father's tomb. So here, here's a sad case here. He knows what just happened. It's the end of Absalom. He knows that because Absalom is doing what he's doing, taking Hushai's advice, that, well, David's going to win. David's going to win the battle. He has been his advisor. He knows David. Ahithophel has been David's advisor for 30 years, and he knows how David operates. And he knows that when David comes back to the kingdom, that there's going to be no place for him. And especially for him being a traitor, that he's going to have to answer for his betrayal, and there's going to be an execution. So really, he's not going to give David the privilege. So he's just going to go home, take his life, because Absalom has failed to follow his advice, and that would have secured him the kingdom. And so this is a very selfish motive that Ahithophel does, but he understands that he's made the wrong choice. And any time you make the wrong choice, there's always a death. It may not be a physical death, but it could be the death of a relationship. It could be the death of a friendship. It could be the death of whatever, maybe even a job. Look at verse 24. Then David went to Mahanim, and Absalom crossed over the Jordan, and he and all the men of Israel with him. And Absalom made Amasa captain of the army. So let's stop right there. When David went to Mahanim, and Absalom crossed the Jordan with all the men of Israel, there was quite a bit of time. Sometimes a verse in Scripture that will confuse you. You'll read one thing, and then you read another, and you think, man, what's happening here? I, I didn't catch what was happening. But in order for Absalom to get all these people mobilized and travel just 16 to 18 miles down the river, it would take a lot of time. He would have to get a message, and this is pre-telephone and pre-internet. He would have to get a message from the top part of Israel to the bottom part of Israel to gather all the people together and make a travel to cross a river. So it would take some time. For David to make this the same trip, about 30 miles north of Mahanim from where they crossed that river on the eastern side, it took quite a while as well. And verse 25, And Absalom made Amasa captain of the army instead of Joab. This Amasa was the son of a man whose name was Jithra, an Israelite who had gone into Abigail, daughter of Nahash, sister of Zariah, Joab's mother. So Israel and Absalom encamped in the land of Gilead. Amasa is a nephew of David, just like Joab, and that would make them cousins of Absalom. So Amasa took Joab's place because Joab is with David. Joab stays with David. Absalom needs a commander of the army. He appoints Amasa, and because Joab's on David's side, Amasa takes over the army for Absalom. And so that army needed to be built, and that would take some time as well. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new editions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. 
If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.